If you got your Bibles, we are in Acts chapter 28. And uh, as I mentioned just a, a little while ago, we are wrapping up our study through the book of Acts. And excited to uh, dig into these last verses, verses 16 through 31. And we started this study of Acts back on Sunday, February 7th. And uh, when we started that series, it was winter. It was winter time. And we stayed with the book of Acts into the springtime, a new season there of spring. And, and we kept rolling uh, and kept walking through the book of Acts. And we walked into summertime. And then uh, we have continued to walk through the book of Acts and we are in fall time. And, and if you got up really early this morning, it doesn't feel like fall anymore, does it? It's just like, it, it feels a little bit more like winter time. And, and, but, but through it all, we have experienced what we know to be true of living in this area. And that is the seasons and seasons change. And I'm just curious, uh, I want to take a quick poll this morning. Who are the people in the room that you love cold weather, like you, you love it. All right. Okay. Okay. I respect that. I respect that. Now, now who are the people on the other end of the spectrum? Like the warmer, the better, like you, you like the warmer, the better. All right. I see those hands. We're kind of divided. And then there's a little neutral zone, which is, hey, you know, it, I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm, I'm good with either one, but, but so my one more question, and that is this, who are the hardcore people who have yet to turn their heater on so far? All right. I see those two hands. Okay. All right. I respect you a lot. And, and, and so here's the thing, like whether, whether you love winter or whether you don't love winter, guess what? Winter's coming. Like you're not going to stop it. It's, it's going to happen. And so a lot of times we will talk about seasons, same way as we talk about seasons of life. Like we experience different seasons, some Feels maybe more like winter, some more like spring, some more summer, some more fall. Uh, but the encouragement that we'll see in our text today is that we would, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that regardless of what season it is, that we would embrace that season. And we would embrace that season as an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus, even winters. For Paul, this was what we see in his life for the previous two years since he's been in Caesarea up to this point, Paul has been living in chains. He has been a prisoner. And, and, and along the way, as we look at Paul's life, he never viewed his chains as a hindrance. In other words, he, he saw it as just the opposite, which he saw his chains as an opportunity, an opportunity to share Christ and the gospel of his Lord. When we open our Bibles to 28, I mentioned it a while ago, we are seeing the fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen. After his resurrection, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he gathered his disciples on the Mount of Olives just before his physical ascension back into heaven in which he will return again. And he tells them, my power, my Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's what the whole book of Acts is. It is the... It is the outflow of what Jesus said was going to happen. Uh, back in uh, Paul, for Paul, he, he, uh, he longed to go to Rome. We're, we're in Rome today and we're going to land in Rome. But Paul always wanted to go to Rome. When he was doing ministry in Corinth, 
um, a little bit away there from Rome, he would write a letter to the church at Rome called Romans. We have it there in our Bibles. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 15, verse 22. He says this, But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you. So he's longed to get to Rome. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. So he longed to get to Rome and he was going to get there. Paul's mission was to take the gospel where it had not yet gone. So he wanted to get the gospel all the way to Spain, but he wanted to spend that time with Rome. He longed to go to Rome from Corinth and, and, and he, on his third missionary journey, he circled back around to a city called Ephesus and he ministered there for longer than he administered anywhere. And a riot there eventually had broken out and, and he was kind of pushed out of the city. But the Bible says this, Dr. Luke says this about Paul. It says back in Acts 19, verse 21, it said that after these events, that, that riot in Ephesus, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must see Rome. So, so Paul had, had, had collected a love offering from churches that he had been a part of planting and pouring into in his missionary journeys. And he wanted to get to Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was impoverished. I mean, think about it. This is where those Jews who were working in the temple there in Jerusalem and had dedicated their lives to the work there, when they placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Messiah, guess what? There was a massive reduction in force. Lots of job loss, lots of needs. And so Paul had taken his time around his missionary journeys. He's going to deliver this love offering. Well, Paul made it to Jerusalem, but when he got there, he was spotted on the temple mount by a religious mob. Those, those Jewish religious um, kind of that, that mob of folks there wanted to seize him and to kill him. And that's exactly what they tried to do. They actually laid their hands on him. And then a Roman tribune, a, a leader, had kind of swooped in and kind of rescued Paul out of there. And it was while he was there in Jerusalem in a prison that Jesus physically came to him. And he says this back in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Jesus says this to Paul, take courage for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. So you must testify also in Rome. Paul is going to get to go where he always longed to go, though. He's getting there in a way he would have never written. And so what happens from there is the, the Roman tribune gets 470 armed men to take Paul from Antonia's fortress in Jerusalem to Caesarea it was a city about 60 miles away on the Mediterranean. It was the Roman outpost. Uh, the land was under Roman rule. And there he went before Governor Felix. He went before Governor Festus. He went before King Agrippa II. Three trials, all within the span of two years as a prisoner. Ultimately, Paul saw there would be no fair trial where he's at. The religious mob is after him. And so he appeals to Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, he can do that. And so last week, we're in chapter 27, and up to this point was his journey from Caesarea to Rome. And it was, it was storm season, and, and that whole testimony of God's faithfulness through that shipwreck and through them trying to take his life again on that boat. I mean, it was just, a, it was just an incredible, wild testimony that Paul experienced. But 
As I read just a few moments ago, guess what happens in Acts chapter 28, verse 16. I love it. The Bible says this. And when we came into Rome, God is so faithful, isn't he? He's so faithful. He said he was going to get to Rome. He came through on his promise. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. So Paul makes it to Rome. He's under house arrest at that time. He's chained literally to a Roman guard. And this is how he's going to spend the next two years there under house arrest. He is no doubt exhausted from the past months, really the past several years of his ministry, just pouring himself out for the ministry of the Lord. And so he finds his way into Rome. And now here he is in this house arrest, chained to a guard. And I, I wonder if he ever felt this. And maybe you've been there. I wonder if by the time Paul made it to Rome, and here he is in this under house arrest, chained to this guard. I wonder if there was ever a moment where he was like, you know what? I quit. I quit. My life has been a, a series of trial and affliction and struggle. He could have said, I quit. He could have allowed himself to slip into a depression. In other words, the, 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 the trial and the suffering was so intense and so heavy that he kind of allows himself to, to get into this deep depression. That could have happened. He could have been in this place of, of, of just like, why me? Like, God, do you even love me? Do you even see, do you see what's happening to me? I'm living my life for you. And, and here I am that, that, that could have crossed through his, through his mindset. He could have in that, in that under house arrest, he could have been paralyzed by what he, by what he couldn't do. You ever been there? Like everything's not going right. And all you can see is the things that aren't going right. And so like, it would be easy to say like, like, God, I'm stuck here and I'm in this, I'm under house arrest and, and I can't do it. Like, what can I do? I, I, all I see is four walls and I'm chained to a Roman guard. But I love what Paul does. After three days, the Bible told us, what does he do? He gets to work. He gets to work and he begins to take on this mindset, which we see of his testimony all the way through is that he would not be hindered by his chains and he would not be hindered by his circumstances, but rather he embraced them as his opportunity to keep sharing the love of Jesus with a world that desperately needs the love of Jesus. I can only imagine how difficult it must have been to see beyond the walls, how difficult it must have been to see beyond the chain, how difficult it must have been to see beyond the guard. Like all of these, what would be maybe paralyzing limitations, it would seem that way. But Paul saw them as an opportunity. And that's kind of one point of application that I see from this text for us today is that we would seize every season as an opportunity. Amen. Every season as an opportunity. Because I just wonder how many of us in the room today or maybe listening in online, I wonder how many of us feel stuck. Like we feel like we're just, we're just like running in circles, like a hamster on a wheel. Like what, what, what's, what's going on? Like you love God, you love people, you love the word. Like that, those things aren't in question, but you just, you just feel like 
like you're stuck. It could be this mindset of just a four more years of this job that I loathe and then I retire and I'm free. And so you maybe feel like you're chained to your current job. You could be in an unsettled uh, season of life. You're unsettled. You know it's not forever. You can't help but keep thinking of the future. And when you get to the future, then everything else is going to work itself out. And so you find yourself feeling chained to this in-between time. That uh, maybe um, our students in the room uh, feel like you're never going to make it out of high school. <laughs> like you're going to be there forever. And so you just kind of think of that one day when you're going to be free. And, and, and yet you can't, it's hard to see life beyond like 10th grade because you're, 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 you're locked into it. Perhaps you feel chained to illness. Perhaps you feel chained to injury. Perhaps you feel chained by circumstances that you did not ask for. This is, this is stuff you're experiencing in life. But again, what I see in Paul is such an encouragement because after three days, Paul said it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. And so what does he do? Another point of application for us is he initiates Christ-centered conversations that are informed by Christ-centered scriptures. Verse 20, or excuse me, verse 17 of Acts 28 says this, after three days, Paul gets to work. He called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. And though I had no charge to bring against my nation for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. What does Paul do? Paul initiates conversations. He initiates Christ-centered conversations. As believers, we want people to know the, the love of Jesus. We want to share the good news, but it can be so intimidating sometimes. I mean, to, to go up and, and so it could be like Paul takes this mindset of like, well, I'm just going to maybe somebody will just randomly walk up to me here while I'm under house arrest and just ask me about Jesus. That would be, that would be like kind of the dream sharing your faith testimony, <laughs> but it doesn't always happen like that. And what Paul does is he, he's an initiator. He is a burden to share this gospel with the people that, that need it. And, and to those that back in Jerusalem were trying to take his life. And so what does he do? He, he initiates the conversations. Instead of being overwhelmed with everything that's not going right, he initiates, he's reaching out, he's being intentional to what he can do rather than focus on everything he can't do. Uh, in Ephesians 6, he writes to the Ephesians there, he says this, I'm an ambassador in chains for Christ. An ambassador is somebody who represents another country, another king, and you go into another place and you, you're a representative of that king. Paul is like, hey, I am a representative of King Jesus from a heavenward country, and I am here as an ambassador in my chains. Paul understood he was sent by Jesus. And what we see is a deep, mature faith 
a mature faith that Paul has, that he came to a place that he understood God wanted to use his chains to point people to Jesus. He wanted to use the thing that what would seem so limiting as the very megaphone for the love of Jesus. Paul wasn't hindered by his chains. He embraced them and wanted to share the life-giving message of Jesus. So he's talking to these Jews for 3,500 years. Mainline Jews are looking for the Messiah to come. They are longing. They are looking. Mainline Jews today are looking for the Messiah to come. And so here's Paul. Paul is here and he is here because of the hope of Israel, which is who? It's the Messiah. It's the one they've been looking for. It's the one they've been longing for. A, a, a Jewish prayer, a common Jewish prayer is stated this way. I believe in the coming of Messiah. And even though he tarry, I will wait for him every coming day. And what Paul says is, I'm here to share about the Messiah that you've been waiting for. I'm here to share about the Messiah you've been longing for. These chains I have, these chains are because of the hope of Israel. The hope of Israel, verse 21, the Bible says, And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what, you, what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Now, just a, a, a quick heads up. If you remember the names Priscilla and Aquila, very fun names to say. They were an awesome couple. They loved the Lord. And, and they were residents of Rome, but they were pushed out by a previous emperor in Rome named Claudius. There was a, a lot of drama that circulated and believed that it was about the Messiah. And so what did that emperor do? He said, Jews, you got to get out of here. He, he pushes them out of the city. Now, whether they all left in that moment, Priscilla and Quilla, they met with Paul in Corinth and became ministry partners. But they were a part of that. And so there was a lot of drama around Christianity, around the truth of the gospel. And so they know about this whole, they've heard at least about this Christianity thing. In verse 23, it says, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. And from morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. We understand at this point, there is no New Testament. The, the, the scriptures we're reading we're reading the New Testament being lived out. All they had were the Old Testament scriptures. They had the law of Moses and the prophets. The Jews clung to those, those Old Testament scriptures of the law and the prophets. They knew the Old Testament and Paul knew the Old Testament too. He knew how all the law and all the prophets were pointing to the Messiah the whole time. Even Jesus in his earthly ministry, after the resurrection, he's walking to a, a city called Emmaus. In Luke chapter 24, here's what Jesus says. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I love that passage. Because Jesus is saying the whole Old Testament, it was all, it was all about me. It was all about me. And the, the story goes on to say that these brothers, as they listened, they were like, didn't, 
their eyes were opened and they're like, did our hearts not burn within us while he shared from the scriptures? And I just, man, what a Bible study that would have been. You know, Jesus unpacking all the Old Testament about how it's all about him and how it reveals him. But Christ has called us to live sent. We talk about loving God, loving people to live sent. Paul is living this sent life. As believers, we're called to live this sent life. That in the economy of God, there's no wasted moments. In the economy of God, there's no wasted years. In the economy of God, there's no wasted seasons. That by God's grace, we embrace every opportunity to live intentionally initiating conversations, pointing people to our only hope, which is Jesus, and saturating our minds with the Christ-centered scriptures. The whole Bible's about him. And that we, we equip, we're equipped as believers to be able to, to, to introduce somebody to Jesus and show them how in the scriptures that he's our only hope, the Messiah. And so in verse 24, the Bible says, a sad but true reality and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Some were convinced, praise God, rejoice, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. He says this, the Holy Spirit was right and saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. So they know the writings of Isaiah. So they're going to know what he's saying when he's saying it. He says this, Isaiah says, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes have been closed there unless they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. God says, I would heal them. I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent through the Gentiles for they will listen. And to me, this is a loving, gracious reminder of all of us who find ourselves listening to the word this morning. May we not allow our hearts to grow dull as it relates to the purposes of God and his word. Jesus said this, said some some believed, some rejected. Jesus said that would happen. He says this over in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, enter by the narrow gate. It's narrow because there's one way. There's one way to be forgiven of your sin. There's one hope that we have to be forgiven of our sin and made right in a right relationship with God, peace with him. And it's only through Jesus. He told them, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Many will reject, but praise God for those who respond to the gospel message. And this is our opportunity to continue to share this gospel message. Now, I want you to think about this just for a moment. Paul, Paul was in chains. He was under house arrest. And guess who he was chained to? A Roman guard. 24-7. Like there was never a time where Paul wasn't chained to somebody. And, and, and so, so 
likely it would have been about a six-hour shift, and so about four guards would have, you know, kind of swapped out and and like, okay, now now it's my turn. And I can only imagine that that some of those guards, as they were being chained to Paul, were like, oh no, (laughs) not again. Like Paul is just going to, in love and grace and truth, just keep sharing about the hope of Jesus. And, and I, I, I don't know this, but perhaps some were like, they will, not like I'll cover your shift. <laughs> like, I, I'll, let me stay right here. Let me stay right here. I want to I hear more. I want to hear more. Some hearts have grown dull. Some are hungry and eager. And, and so, who knows? But I know this, God, uh, for Paul, he did not see these chains as a hindrance. He saw it as an opportunity. And he took that opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with these Roman guards. And I believe some of his letters that we read about show that there was some impact there. Like, think about this. He, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, here's what Paul says. He's writing to the, the Christian church there in Philippi. He says this, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. He's wrapping it up. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you and all the saints greet you. Listen to this. Especially those of Caesar's household. How did the gospel get into Caesar's household? And then at the start of Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. How does it make it through the whole imperial guard? Could it be, could it be that it was these brothers responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that word begins to travel even through Caesar's household? You say, what, what, what? What good can come out of a prison cell? Here's four good reasons. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Because he wrote every single one of them in that prison cell under house arrest. The scriptures that God has gifted to us, Holy Spirit inspired, that we would, we would, we would, we would reorient our lives around his word. And so could it be that Paul's greatest ministry His most fruitful ministry came as a result of his time in prison. His time in jail. It's wild. And so God, help us seize every season as an opportunity. Help us to be initiators. Initiate Christ-centered conversations informed by Christ-centered scriptures. One One more kind of point of application for us in this passage is that we would embrace hospitality and mission as a way of life. Embrace hospitality and mission as a way of life. The two final verses of this book say this. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed, I love it, all. All. I'd circle that word. (laughs) He welcomed everybody. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Like how did, don't chains hinder? The word of God is unbound. And so I love how Paul uses his home as a mission outpost. 
his home as a mission outpost, he embraced his change as an opportunity until his final breath. As the story goes and historical records kind of give us a picture of what did his final days look like, Paul would would wrap up this two-year sentence, uh, prison sentence that we're reading about. He would be released for about a year, but he would ultimately be re-arrested again. And he would be walked down the Appian Way and he would have his head severed from his body from the evil, wicked King Nero. But he writes this in his final writings to Timothy. He says over in 2 Timothy 4, 6, he said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Faithful. Faithful. And, and, and then the book of Acts just ends. <laughs> you say, there's, a, there's a period there. And it almost feels like it's like almost an abrupt ending. Um, any roller coaster fans here? Just curious. All right. I see the, yeah, love roller coasters, except the very, very end where your neck gets thrown out of socket when they stop the the ride. You know, you're like cruising around and you're kind of easing into the load in section. And then it's just like, whoo, boom, like it just, it just, it just like stops you. I I feel like acts can feel that way because it's like rolling, 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 rolling and period. And, and, but here's the beauty the, the, the Holy Spirit inspired Dr. Luke to give us this account of the Holy Spirit at work through the local church. But this story is far from done. Because the, 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 the book of Acts is still, in a sense, being written through the local church. Through believers who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Like it doesn't stop now. And God has called us and allowing us by his grace and through the power of his spirit to continue taking this gospel message to the ends of the earth that we would embrace every season. I started this sermon or I started this series with showing a picture that's like one of my favorite pictures that I own. And I started with it. I want to close with it. Uh, It's a picture of five generations of Brooks's. Uh, if you're looking at that picture, the, the, the guy on the far left, that's my granddaddy. I never got a chance to meet him, uh, but that's my granddaddy, my great-granddaddy, my great-great-granddaddy, and my great-great-great-granddaddy. He looks like a John Wayne or something. Um, and, uh, but that little baby in the picture is my daddy. And so there, there's, there's five generations of this picture. I love this picture. But the question is this, is that... Does the story end with that picture? No. It just, it just, it's, it shows me like kind of our story, my story. And, and now I have three sons, two daughters, and by God's grace, like God's entrusted with us a mission to share his love and his gospel with the, with, with the world. And so we want to be faithful to that. But, 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 but I feel like in some ways, like Acts is this, reminder of God's grace and power and plan and kind of how the church got its roots. But the story isn't over yet. God has empowered his church to be a witness for him. And so the encouragement is this. 
May we, and I know it's hard, it is so hard to say this, especially when you're in it, but that would we embrace every season we're in as an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus. Perhaps by His grace, it's coming to grips with with where we're at. Not a one time does Paul say how much he loves the fact that he is a prisoner. But rather, he refuses to allow those chains to imprison him. And he moves forward. And so, perhaps it's by God's grace, it's, it's, it's in His Holy Spirit kind of coming to grips with that. But that it's also a reminder to initiate conversations, gospel conversations. Maybe today, maybe the take home is, God help me to have one gospel conversation this week. God, like... Help me to initiate it. Your grace, your power, be a gospel conversation initiator. God, maybe it's a renewed commitment to his word. Paul was able to take all the Old Testament law and all the prophets and show how they point to Jesus. And maybe it's a a recommitment of renewing our our hearts and minds according to his word. Perhaps it's, it's seeing your home as not just a place where you lay your head, but a place where you serve the Lord. A mission outpost. Perhaps not only discipling those who may be under the roof of your home, but also perhaps reaching out to those who are right there around you. And it might be that your response to this message might be that of some of those Jewish leaders who heard the truth of God's word and God's Holy Spirit convicted their hearts to reveal their need for a Savior and how they had not come to that time and place where they received Jesus, but on that day they did. And they acknowledged their brokenness. They acknowledged their need for Jesus. They humbled their hearts. They had a change of mind about their sin. They had turned a King Jesus in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And placed, humbled their hearts and placed their trust in Jesus the narrow way as their personal Lord and Savior. And in that moment, sealed it. For all eternity. And so maybe today you're like, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's the most important decision you will ever make. So I'm going to pray for us. And, and as I do, we're going to have a song of response. And, uh, and I just want you to encourage you as you would feel led. Perhaps to come and pray. We'll have pastors down front that would love the opportunity to pray over you, for you. Um, but just by God's grace, be responsive to however the Holy Spirit might be leading us today. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for this book, this divinely inspired, authored book called Acts. And God, thank you for how we have been encouraged as the church, as believers, to live on mission for you. And God, to realize that that the, the story doesn't end in Acts, but rather your Holy Spirit is still working. Your Holy Spirit is still convicting. Your Holy Spirit is still drawing hearts. Your Holy Spirit is still empowering us as believers to live in such a way that share with others the only hope we have of forgiveness and peace with you. And that is a relationship with Jesus. So God, I pray, Lord, work in our hearts, reveal what your next step is for us and that you would be honored in our lives. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.